Yes, it is that time. It is that absolutely wonderful time. Come on in the room, everybody. Go ahead and tag somebody, get your box of Kleenex. We gonna heal somebody on the night. We are going to engage in therapy Thursday. Thank you all so much for just your faithfulness. Out of all the things you could be doing right now, binging a YouTube video series or watching something on Netflix or Hulu, you have taken the time to join me. And for that, I am extremely grateful. Now I have to warn y'all, this, this particular session that we're gonna have on tonight, <laughs> it's gonna be rough. It's gonna have some parts that are very ugly, some parts that aren't comfortable, but it is all needed for the purpose of us healing and being the individuals that God has called us to be. The reason I keep saying this week after week is because it is true. There are going to be principles that we are required to follow as benevolent followers of Jesus that requires for you to be healthy on the inside to do it. And what we're talking about tonight is just gonna corroborate that statement and prove to you, I have to be healed to do that. Like I have to, I have to really trust in the Lord to be able to do that. I have to have a, a sense of wholeness to be able to do that. And I think it's gonna be absolutely wonderful. I do have some disclaimers for everybody coming in the room. Welcome, welcome. Tag somebody, even though this is virtual, let's make it personal. Tag somebody, I see you. Welcome, I tag tag this person, I see you. Tag somebody else, I see you. Thank you, you about to get your life blessed. I hope you have your box of Kleenex. Welcome, tag somebody, so that even though it's virtual, it feels personal. I do have some disclaimers. First off, this is what happened. Last week, uh, my brother Isaac came through and just blazed. I mean, his session on how to ruin a relationship was absolutely amazing. And I, I'm just, I'm still like, man, that was a absolute whole word, all caps on hold. That was a whole word. However, there was an image in the background that a lot of people were um, offended by. It was a painting that he had. When I talked to him about it, he said it's a painting about the Trinity, and he's explained it to different audiences that he's um, done lives for before. But due to our background being blurred out, it looked like there was just a set of breasts on Isaac's neck. <laughs> I'm just saying how it is. It just looked like there were a set of breasts and there were emails, there were letters, there were calls to the church and a lot of people got offended and it also got flagged. Yes, I know. It got flagged by um, being a pornographic image and so just out of not offending anybody and wanting to always have ministry that is credible and both Isaac and I never ever want to misuse our platform or distract anybody from being able to hear the message that God has given us. So that video has been taken down and I apologize to everybody and anybody who was offended or that possibly uh, distracted you from hearing um, the message that we were trying to give you. We take responsibility for that and moving forward that will not happen again. Isaac's gonna come next week and he's also going to give his disclaimer and his apology because we do not want to offend anybody. And this is why we had to kind of push back our love therapy um, conference that we wanted to do. We will do it, we just have to look at another date to get it done. 
So I wanted to say that for everybody who is looking for last week's therapy session, um, there was a artwork, like an African artwork painting of, a, of like a mother and a baby and certain people got offended by it. So that is why that video is no longer up. We will move forward and be prudent and be excellent with the ministry because we do want you to hear what we were saying. Now, don't nobody drop in the comment, they missed the message and they missed all of that because they were, if meat offends my brother, I won't eat it. That's a biblical passage, so we're just taking accountability for that. And yes, so that is what happened. Therapy Thursday now is every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. Central Time. Next week will be Isaac. The week after will be me. Every week, we are trying to serve you so that you can heal on the inside. Now let's get to work. Let's get to work because I want to share this with you on tonight. I'm not going to be long, but I do think that this is going to be therapeutic. A lot of us, you are in here, in the room, a lot of us are upset. We are upset. We are disappointed with the placement of our life. And if we were to tell the truth, many of us are upset even at God. We are upset because it feels like God has not answered my prayers. I feel as though God has not executed judgment on those who have done me wrong. And honestly, if we just tell the truth, this is a place for us to be honest. This is a place for us to be open. I feel like sometimes, God, your plans are making my life worse. We're in the room. We're upset and even angry. And I want to deal with that on tonight. And I don't think there is any other biblical icon. There is no other biblical candidate that could serve us for tonight's therapy session besides Jonah. Jonah, he is going to be our biblical icon. I want us to look at Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has gone, has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Now listen, most of the time when people preach about this passage, they really just highlight the fact that Jonah was running from the Lord. A lot of us don't know why. Why? Why was Jonah running from the Lord? It is because the Assyrians were bullies to Jonah's people. The, the Assyrians have been mishandling Jonah's people, Jonah's kinfolk, Jonah's family. And now, God, their wickedness has come before you? Good. Do something about it. Execute judgment. Go ahead and let them get your wrath. Some of us feel like that right now. My mama was wrong. When are you going to do something about that? The battle belongs to you. When are you going to pay back my ex that pastor, that boss, for how they treated me, how they mishandled me. And Jonah's like, I am not about to interfere with your judgment. I want you to execute judgment. He probably was clapping. I want you to do it, Lord. I want you to do it. They deserve it. They don't deserve your grace. They don't deserve your mercy. They don't deserve your goodness. They did me wrong. They did my family wrong. So go ahead and execute judgment. And if you want me to go tell them to repent, I'm not doing it. So Jonah is running away from the Lord because he is hurt. 
with how they have treated his people. And now God wants me to be the prophet to tell them to repent. I'm not doing it. So he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard. Don't miss that. After paying the fare, he went aboard. After paying the fare, he went aboard. After paying the fare, he went aboard. My repetition is on purpose. After paying the fare, he went aboard. What are you paying for because you're running from God? What are you paying for because of a biblical principle you don't want to implement? Please hear me, y'all. There is always a cost when we run from God's instruction. Some of us, ooh, some of us are with somebody dating a person who is running from God. Whenever we are dating a person who is running from God, you are harboring a fugitive. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I am harboring somebody that is in disobedience to God. Whenever, whenever I'm running from God, I'm always going to have to deal with the cost of that rebellion. There is always a cost when we let bitterness and unforgiveness take residence in our heart and your emotional well-being is going to pay for it. Your emotional health is going to pay for it. Your mental health is going to pay for it. Your peace is going to pay for it. Your joy is going to pay for it. Your sleep is going to pay for it. Your hair is going to pay for it. Your esteem is going to pay for it. Your joy is going to pay for it. There's always a cost when I'm allowing bitterness to reside in my heart. And many times my emotional health is paying for it. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Verse four says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break it up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw their cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Look at this y'all. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. How is it I'm tripping more over your disobedience than you? How is it I can't sleep because of the choices you making, but you can't? Like how? Like those of us who know the story, when Jonah was on board, there was a storm. When they threw Jonah overboard, there was peace. <laughs> when Jonah was on board, there was a storm. When they threw Jonah overboard, there was peace. Are you going through a storm in your life because you have a Jonah on the board of your life? All right, what about this? This is the one nobody considers. Could you be Jonah? There it is. See, keep saying amen. <laughs> keep clapping. Could you be a Jonah? And other people are dealing with the residue of your attitude. Could you be a Jonah? And everybody is dealing with the storm of your anger. Could you be Jonah? And everybody's dealing with the storm of your fits of rage. Could you be Jonah? And everybody's dealing with the storm of your insecurity. I know we always like to think they're the red flag, but the biggest red flag is when you can't see that you're one. Could we be Jonah? Could we be Jonah? 
and due to my frustration and due to my anger, it's hard to be around me. It's hard to be around me. Oh, I can't speak for everybody else. But Jerry has personally arrived to this place in his life. I want my relationships to be a blessing, not a lesson. Is there anybody? I gotta take my glasses off of that. Is there anybody else where you're like, listen, I desire holistic, healthy, anointed relationships. It don't have to be romantic. It could just be platonic. I need like anointed relationships because the anointing breaks yokes. I want to have people around me who break stuff off me. I don't want any more relationships that are a lesson. I want relationships that are a blessing. Anybody? Can I buy a vow? Anybody? Yeah, I, I, want, I want it to be, I want it to be a blessing. But here's the question. Are you throwing overboard the lesson, but keeping the person? Are you throwing overboard the lesson, but keeping the pattern? Are you throwing overboard the lesson and keeping the habit? Because sometimes I can't keep both the lesson and the person. I can't keep both the lesson and the pattern. One has to go. And my concern is we're throwing overboard the lesson and not the person, not the pattern, not the habit. Look, if we look at our foundational text, verse five, they said, look, they begin to throw their cargo into the sea. Can I get somebody to put in the room? That's what they need. Like that, like your cargo, that's what you need. They were throwing over what they needed to keep what they didn't. Oh, I want to help somebody. They were throwing over what they needed to keep what they didn't. So I'm thinking you on the ship and you have this cargo. This is symbolic of cargo. You have this cargo. And there's a storm that is so violent, really is due to their lifestyle, really is due to their choices. But you're going to throw overboard your peace so, so that you can keep them? Like, I need my cargo. I need my joy. I need my joy. But there's a storm all around me. Instead of me addressing the pattern, and instead of me addressing the person, and instead of me addressing the trauma, and instead of me addressing the pain, and instead of me addressing the resentment, you're going to throw over your sleep? You, like, you're going to throw over your cargo? You need that. Like, I need, I need my joy. I need that. I told us joy is fullness of heart. I'm glad on the inside because I know God got me. So I have joy. You going to throw over your joy to keep a Jonah? And a lot of us, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. You are throwing over what God is trying to give you. Why is nobody considering once they have thrown Jonah overboard, what was the condition of the ship? Could they even make it to Tarshish? <laughs> could, could, like, could they have been so damaged due to having Jonah on board that not only did they throw over their cargo, but the vessel can't even get them to the destination? And some of us, we have resentment, we have anger, we have unaddressed pain on the inside of us that is hindering us from even getting to our destination. Jonah is furious. How dare you ask me go to tell these people to repent because judgment is coming after everything they have just done to my family, 
after everything they have done to my people. I don't like the Assyrians, and they don't deserve your grace. They don't deserve your mercy. My mom doesn't deserve your mercy. My great, my, my, my great grandparent doesn't deserve your mercy. My granddad doesn't deserve your mercy. My daddy doesn't deserve your mercy. I'm not doing it. So Jonah is thrown overboard, swallowed by a fish. He repents. He says, all right, God, I'll do it. He goes to Nineveh and tells them that God is going to overthrow this city if they don't turn from their wicked ways. And everybody in Nineveh repents. And when God sees that they have turned from their wicked ways, he relents in his judgment. And Jonah is upset about that. Now we're in Jonah chapter 4, where you can see what I'm saying is true. Jonah chapter 4, it says, But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Anybody else? How they did me, they getting blessed? This seemed very wrong. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord? When I said while I was still at home, that is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God and slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah was saying, I'd rather die than see them repent and get your mercy. I'd rather die than see them repent and get your goodness. I'd rather die. I can't stand the thought of somebody doing me wrong, receiving a blessing from God. I can't stand the thought of somebody who molested me, receiving the goodness and grace of God because they owned what they did and they're saying, God, I was wrong. I can't stand God, you being just and forgiving them. They deserve your wrath. God asked Jonah a question. Verse four says, but the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry. I feel this, y'all. Ooh, I feel this. Is it right for you to be angry? We are going to orbit around that thought because some of us are angry. We're angry with ourselves. We're angry with God. We're angry with the process. We're angry where we are. And I feel God is asking somebody this question. Is it right for you to be angry? I want to speak around this thought from this subject for a few moments for our session on this Therapy Thursday. Why are you so angry? What Y'all join me. Don't just look at me. Y'all join me. Can I get somebody to put in the room, why are you so angry? Put it in all caps. Matter of fact, we probably need to make this personal, Torrance. Can I get somebody to put in the room, why am I so angry? Why am I so angry? Why are you so angry? Why am I so angry? Angry. I feel this. Somebody watching this, you are angry. Listening to this on the podcast, you are angry. Every day you wake up, you are angry. Why are you so angry? Could it be you're in this constant state of anger because you're, just, you're like Jonah. You're angry because it seems as though people 
who have done you wrong are going unpunished. And I'm angry. I didn't deserve that. I didn't, I don't even, I didn't reap that. Like I didn't sow that. I, I, I did good to them. I trusted them. I hoped in them. I put my, I put my confidence in them. I didn't deserve what they did. I didn't deserve how they treated me. And so I'm in this constant state of anger, just like Jonah, because I don't understand if you are a just God, why did you not render judgment on them? And so I'm angry. I'm angry. And here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about not forgiving. When we don't forgive, not forgiving is punishment we give ourselves due to somebody else mishandling our heart. Did y'all hear what I just said? Not forgiving is punishing ourselves for somebody else mishandling our heart. So what you're going to do is you're going to wake up and you're going to punish yourself and not enjoy this day because of what somebody did to you yesterday, because of what somebody did to you last week. You're going to punish yourself and not experience joy. You're, you're going to punish yourself and not experience gladness because of somebody else who mishandled your heart. Now, they could be going along and living their life, but I'm going to punish myself because of how somebody else treated me. That's all it is. When you don't forgive, when you're bitter, you're just punishing yourself for an offense that somebody else did to you. I thought, I thought God, I thought God would be fair. I thought God would be fair. If he was fair, he wouldn't allow for them to still breathe. That's what Jonah was saying. If you were fair, you would not allow them to get away with how they treated my people. Let me give you a little, a little illustration. This, this true story. Back in high school, we weren't allowed to leave um, campus to go get lunch. All right. Once we got our cars, we were 16. I think that's what a 10th grader or 11th grader. We were 16 and we were not allowed to leave school to get our lunch. One day, my friend got a car. And so he said, hey, come ride with me. We're going to go over to Sonic to get some lunch. Now, I know we're not supposed to leave the school. <laughs> we're not supposed to leave the campus to go get lunch. But I don't want to look like I'm scared, so I ride with my friends. So we go to Sonic, we get us some tater tots and, a, and an extra long cheese coney, and then we go back to the school with our slushy. But when we pull up, the school officer, the school police officer is standing right there. All of our hearts just, I'm like, oh God, my parents are gonna be so mad. I don't know what type of parents y'all had, but I had type of parents, you didn't want the school to call home. You, you, you didn't want a police officer at hand. You would take it and you got to tell your mama, I got I had parents you didn't want. You didn't want to do that. So our hearts all. We scared. Like, I'm not even hungry no more. And he's like, uh, what are y'all doing? We said, we're so sorry. We're so sorry, Officer uh, Nelson. We're, we're so sorry. We, we, we just wanted to get, we just wanted to go get Sonic. We just, we just wanted to go. And I just want to show my friends my car. And so the officer says, Get back in the cafeteria, don't do it again. And so, you know, we get inside, we're like, whoo, that was close. The next day, my friend says, hey man, let, let, let's, let's go up to Sonic again. I said, bro, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not going. Y'all can go say, man, quit being scary, let's go. I didn't go, but some of my friends went. They went, and guess what? Officer Nelson was right there again when they pulled up. 
And they were scared, but they weren't like as scared as they were the first time. So they got out the car and like, oh, we're so sorry. I, I won't do it anymore, I promise. I won't do it anymore, right? Two weeks go by, they go to Sonic again. Officer Nelson's right there again, pulls back up and he's like, man, how are you always catching us? How are you always catching us? I brought you back some food too. I brought you back some tater tots. And Officer Nelson starts writing some tickets. And then he's like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. You gonna give me a ticket? That's not fair. And then the officer said, oh, you want fair? One, two, three. And many times we forget that God is not fair, he's just. Oh, I just messed up somebody's theology. God is not fair, he is just. You deserve all three tickets, but you have taken advantage of my grace. You have taken advantage of my mercy. And some of us were upset that somebody else isn't getting tickets for them violating a principle when there were times in our life, here it is, there were times in our life where we wanted grace. We were thankful that God didn't give us the ticket. We were thankful that God didn't give us what we really deserved. But due to how painful it was for what they did to me, God, you should, you should punish them. Why am I so angry? Or could you be so angry? Could you be angry due to the dopamine hit of that sexual encounter? The dopamine hit of that substance indulgence? The dopamine hit of that retail splurging that you thought would put out the fire of your anger, but it didn't. And the reason you're so angry is because your self-diagnosis is not working. Your self-diagnosis is not working. You're trying to figure out how do I stop the pain? I thought that if I did this, it would stop the pain. And I'm trying to get somebody to understand that dopamine hits aren't therapists for our brokenness. Did y'all hear what I just said? Dopamine hits aren't therapists for our brokenness. The weed is just a dopamine hit, but it's not therapeutic for what's really going on. The cheap sex is a dopamine hit. It's not a therapist for what really is going on. Shopping is not a therapist for what is really going on. Overeating is not a therapist for what is really going on. There is nothing that we could do on the outside that can provide us with the calmness and the comfort like the Holy Spirit. Gosh, I hope you're hearing me. That's not working. You've done it. The alcohol is not working. The cheap sex is not working. Distracting yourself by going shopping, it's not working. Yes, it's a dopamine hit, but it is not a solution for the anger. That's not the, that's not the fire hose that's putting out the flames of your anger. The only person that could truly give you that comfort that you're looking for, you're thinking that pleasure is going to take it away. I'm telling you, it's by the comforter. Let me give you Bible. Look at this, y'all. John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the comforter. I love when scripture compliments itself. But the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to give you the comforter. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to give you comfort. And how is the Holy Spirit going to give you comfort? It's going to remind you of what I have said. 
The Holy Spirit is going to remind you of my word so that when you're going through, you remember the word that I gave you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Sometimes I need the Holy Spirit to remind me of the promises. I'm going to give you more Bible where you can see how this connects. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all, who comforts us in all of our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those. Look at this, y'all. That we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort which we have, which we ourselves have been comforted by God. Did y'all catch that? He said, listen, God is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all comfort. The weed, that's not going to give you comfort. It just is a dopamine hit. The cheap sex, buying, overeating, sleeping, that's just a dopamine hit. That's not going to give you comfort in tribulation. He's saying, listen, I want you to understand that God provides us comfort over all things and all tribulations. And I'm giving you this comfort so that we may be able to comfort others that are in trouble. See, see, you see? Now, you remember how I started? I said, there are going to be requirements as benevolent followers of Jesus that we have to carry out that I cannot do if I'm not healthy on the inside. This is a prime example. The Holy Spirit is going to give me comfort and that comfort is a comfort that I could use to give others comfort when they're going through problems. But if I never experienced the comfort, are y'all kidding this? If I never have experienced the comfort, I will not be able to give comfort to others who are in trouble. Look, y'all, look, look. It says, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I can't give you what I don't have. How many times have I said it? I can't pour from a place that's in a drought. I can't. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can give you comfort. And the reason some of us are so upset is because your self-diagnosis is not working. And you're still angry. We're still angry. Sometimes the way I get comfort is like what Jesus told his disciples. In John chapter 14, the comforter is going to bring back into remembrance all that I have said. So in other words, when I think, it bleeds over into how I think. When I thank God for never leaving me, when I thank God that he is my vindicator, when I thank God that all things work together, I don't have to try to keep everything together because all things are going to work together because I am loving and I am trusting in my God. When I understand that, when I get that and I reflect on that, that gives me comfort because how I'm thanking is bleeding over into how I'm thinking. Out of us. The anger is bleeding over into how you're thinking. I'm giving us, I'm giving us solutions. Think affects how you think. Why am I so angry? Why am I so angry? Could it be I'm so angry and everything makes me tick because I don't like the way my life looks? I don't, 
I don't like where I am in my life. I thought I'd be further down the line by now. Why am I so angry? Is it because of what they said or what they didn't say? Why am I dealing with so much anger? And here's a different perspective for you when it comes to your anger. Sometimes, ooh, I hope y'all ready for this. Sometimes you're so angry because it's a part of you that knows you're settling. Mm. Sometimes we're angry because the Holy Spirit is grieved that you are tolerating toxicity and you know you deserve more. You know I'm calling you higher. You know I'm convicting you of this sin. You know, and so you're angry because you're settling. And it's coming out because there's a part of you, there's a part of your heart that knows God has called me for more than this. God has called me to live a life that gives him glory, and this isn't it. And so we don't recognize that. That is the Holy Spirit's conviction. Conviction is a tool God uses to say, I have better, and this is not like me. And I want to disciple you and train you and sharpen you to be like me. You're not always going to hit the mark, but that's where we're aiming. And you're so angry because you're settling for toxicity. See, here's the thing. The reason some people can't identify their anger as a problem is because their anger is normal. Like your problem is normal. We, My whole childhood, everybody in my house was angry. Mama was angry. Daddy was angry. I was always around people who were angry. So I don't view my anger as a problem because the problem is my normal. But anger is one letter short of danger. Why am I so angry? And hear me, y'all. Rage is the offspring of resentment. This is powerful. Rage is the offspring of resentment. You resent God for things that he hasn't done. You resent your spouse. You even resent you. And it comes out as rage. It's the constant emotion you feel. Anger. Anger. I'm not talking about a righteous indignation. I'm going to deal with that on Sunday. I'm talking about anger that is fruitless. Anger sets the soul on fire. Hear me. Anger sets the soul on fire. Anger is a house that is on fire. And instead of us trying to get out, we enjoy the heat. We enjoy the heat because this is familiar. We enjoy the heat because I was raised in this heat. We enjoy the heat because all of my friends are in this heat. We enjoy the heat because my mama dealt with this heat. So instead of me trying to get out, I enjoy the heat because this is familiar. And I just feel led to pray. I just, I know I'm talking to somebody who has been battling with their anger. And I just want to pray, Father, would you help us? understand that you are the only one that can give calmness of the soul. Would you help us to be able to discover the root on why we're so angry? Help us, God, to put our trust in you and help us to forgive. To forgive because when we don't forgive, we punish ourselves because of somebody else mishandling us. You are just God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that, would you put in the room, amen. Amen. Why am I so angry?
Listen, I want to help us. Anger is never the primary emotion. Never. Anger is never the primary emotion. Anger is always the shadow of another emotion. So this is not the real issue. Anger is just the mask of another emotion. And many of us haven't discovered, why am I really angry? Because anger is never the primary emotion. Like Jonah was so angry, he said, God, I'd rather die. He was so angry that he would run away from God. Why was he angry though? Because his anger was not the primary emotion. Anger is just the mask of another emotion. Anger is just the shadow of another emotion. So what was Jonah's real emotion? Hurt. He was hurt due to what the Assyrians did. He was hurt and it came out as anger. And a lot of us haven't recognized the reason you're so angry is because there is another emotion that you really feel. Give you an example. Guy goes to the mall with his girl. They're looking at shoes. He wants to buy her some shoes for Valentine's Day that just passed. Another guy walks up to his girl. He starts flirting with her. Hey, how you doing? My name is such and such. I just couldn't help but notice you and I just wanted to come. He comes over there. What you doing, bro? See, that's what I'm talking about. You want to talk to him? You want to talk to him? And so she hasn't even had a chance to respond yet. And he's angry. <laughs> I mean, he's ticked. But anger is never the primary emotion. What he really is, is scared. I'm scared of losing her. What he really is, is insecure. And so that comes out as anger because that's the that's the masculine that's the that's the emotion that I won't be considered weak that's the that's the emotion that I won't be considered soft so I can show my anger I can show and then you will start to say oh you got anger issues I think we have been mislabeling people mm -mm. this is not an anger issue this is a fear issue ladies do it too another example he says he's gonna call at 9 30 he doesn't call till 9.42, and you're livid, and you're blowing up on old boy. I mean, you're giving him the business, business. Like, you're just going in on him. And he is like, man, how? I was 12 minutes late because of a meeting. Like, how, how, how did you get so angry? I mean, you, you're not like on a four. You're like on a 10. How did you go to zero to 10 that quick? How did you go zero to 100 so fast? And I'm just 12 minutes late. I, I called you. I just, just, just got caught up at work. You don't understand that that anger is not the primary emotion. See, you don't understand when you grow up with inconsistent caregivers. When you grow up with inconsistent parents. When you grow up with an inconsistent mom and an inconsistent father. See, this stems from their inconsistency. When your dad said he would do something and he never did it, when your mom said that she would show up at your recital, but she always came late, when, when your uncle said he would pick you up from practice and you would have to end up having a coach take you home again, this stems from a pattern of inconsistency. So now what is happening is her historical pain is mentoring her mind. I'm trying to help somebody. The historical pain of inconsistent caregivers has become a mentor towards my mind 
And now I have an anxiety attachment because my mind is lying to me, lying to me and telling me they're going to do the same thing. They're going to leave me hanging too. They're not going to show up too. And that comes out as anger. But really what it is is I've had a pattern of inconsistent caregivers. I've had, a, I've had a pattern of people telling me that they were going to do stuff and they didn't do it. So, yeah, when you called me 12 minutes late, that might seem small to you, but I'm still dealing with the inconsistent residue of caregivers in my life, which is why I told us we have to have core beliefs. You have automatic thoughts, filtered thoughts, and core beliefs. Your core belief is he's not trying to hurt me. He's not trying to hurt me. That's my core belief. So when you have the automatic thought of he's going to leave too, I can filter that thought with he really is not trying to hurt me. But I wouldn't be able to filter my thoughts if I don't have core beliefs. The reason our mind is just going back and forth with thoughts, I have no core belief. When I have a core belief, I can hold on to it. And that helps me filter my automatic thought. Anger is never the primary emotion. It is always the shadow of another emotion. Many of us are struggling with thought patterns, addictions, childhood trauma, secret sins, lustful cravings, and we want to be free from it. We want to be free from it, and we don't know how we got here. How did my mind get like this? How did my mouth get like this? Like, why is my tongue filled with so much profanity? Like, how did I gain so much weight? How did I lose so much weight? How did I get here? And I want to help us by giving us this understanding that hopefully will provide us with the tool of breaking the chain of anger. And that is the power of recognition. If I don't, if I know you and you come to rob me, but you wear a mask, I will think it is just a random robbery. Remember, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Thieves usually wear masks. If I know you, but you wear a mask and rob me, I will think it's a random robbery. But if I know you and you don't wear a mask and you try to rob me, I can say, oh, I know them from school. I know them from work. I know them from church. Watch this, because recognition gives you the power to trace. The reason you're so angry is because you have not traced where is this coming from. I could trace this goes back. My dad was always angry. I could trace this goes back to inconsistent caregivers. I could trace this goes back to being abused. And so when I could trace it, I could fight it. Can fight it. And I'm trying to tell somebody, maybe we have mislabeled it. It's not just anger issues. There's an emotion behind that. And if we could trace and discover what is that, that fear behind that anger, that insecurity behind that anger, that resentment behind that anger, or let's just be real. Some of us are prideful. And you know what your anger is? Your anger is your will screaming, I'm not getting my way. I'm not getting the house I want. I'm not getting the job I want. I'm not getting the money I want. I'm not getting the position I want. Sometimes all your anger is, is your will screaming, I'm not getting my way. Three points. Three points on how we could go to war with this. I already gave it to you. I got ahead of myself. Number one, trace it. 
trace it. When you trace it, you can unmask it. When you trace it, you can unmask it. And anytime you could trace where this came from, that has neurological implications. Literally, your brain will begin to rewire itself. So when you feel angry, the same question God asked Jonah, is it right for you to feel anger right now? Trace it. Why am I angry? Why? Where's this coming from? Hold up. Because this really isn't, this isn't the primary emotion. It's the shadow of another one. Trace it. Number two, be angry, but sin not. That comes from Ephesians 4, verse 26. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. Anger that is out of control already is a forest fire. But anger that is married with sin is devastation. Devastation and a forest fire. You can feel anger, but don't let sin manifest. And this originally comes from Psalms chapter 4. Psalms chapter 4, when David says, But now the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry, there it is again, and do not sin. Meditate with your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. And now I get what David is saying. He's saying, when you're angry, hold on, wait. Remember that the Lord hears you. The Lord hears you. Hold on. You're angry because of what happened? Know that the Lord hears you. And, and meditate within your heart on your bed. Like, give yourself time to have space. And remember to put your trust in God. So you're angry, but trust that God is going to work this out. Don't you try to execute vengeance. Don't you try to execute revenge because then you are going to engage in sin. When I'm angry, the way I don't sin is when I remember God got me, God hears me, and God is my vindicator. I will never execute the righteousness of God when it comes to situations. So I'm going to put my trust in God. And last one, number three fast often. The reason you fast often is so that you have trained yourself, when I don't get my way, I don't throw fits of rage. And fasting classically conditions your mind that when things don't go my way, I won't have rage because I'm patient. And patience is the ability to accept things going in a different way than what you had in mind. And if we could fast and if we could trace it, and if we could really, really understand that just because I'm angry doesn't mean I have to give place to sin, God's gonna do something about this, we'll be able to recognize the primary emotion of anger, what's behind it? I wanna deal with that. So God, would you help us to recognize what's behind this? Anger may be up front, but there's something behind it. Help us deal with that. And just like the psalmist told us, help us to know that you hear those who are godly and help us to trust in you more than we trust in ourselves, that you're going to execute your righteousness. And I trust you more than I trust myself. So in your precious son's name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I pray that this session opened your eyes to something. And just like God asked Jonah, I want you to ask yourself the question, is it right? for you to be angry. And by God's grace, I pray that you could trace it so that you could understand that this isn't how I'm really feeling. 
This is just the most comfortable emotion that I have taught myself how to use when I feel disappointment. I pray this bless you. Hope you guys have a wonderful night and I'll see you Sunday, whether in person or online, 12 p.m. Central Time as our Key Encounter series continues. Have a wonderful night.